0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Fitness Canner Podcast. I am joined today by London, England native, Gary Nisbet. He is a NSCA strength and conditioning coach, uh, primarily working with squash athletes, uh, merging them with sound scientific training and uh, to, to improve their squash skills as well as keep them uh, from being injured. Squash is extremely foreign to me uh gary tried to explain it a little bit uh i I tried to put the pieces together i have watched some videos so you know as much as youtube has tried to help me that's about as as far as my knowledge goes but um i'm very interested in in those kind of things and and how people apply scientific methods to to keep athletes safe and people who enjoy their sport so gary welcome to the show i appreciate it
1: thanks for having me eric looking forward to it
0: no problem. I know you've had a long day, and I know it's, what, set, uh, five hours ahead of time, so it's about eleven 12. Well, wait, you're probably midnight now, aren't
1: you? <laughs> Just gone midnight, yeah. That's oh, okay. a, a I oh, hope so.
0: All right, cool. So fill in some gaps for us. Um, tell, us tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, um, about the, the sports squash, and what you do to, to help your participants.
1: Yeah, I've been working in, in sports and fitness for about 15 years now. Um, I was playing squash from my teenage years um, and then I qualified as a personal trainer. So I was working in gyms and, you know, the guys that I knew through squash gradually started coming to me and asking me to help advice with their with their training, with their fitness. So, yeah, over over the years I kind of merged the two and, and now I do kind of both. I do a lot of squash coaching. I work with a lot of elite professionals designing their fitness training programs. Um yeah, just just trying to get the the information for them. Squash, even over here, isn't a particularly big sport, so there's not a huge amount of of literature out there. So that's a matter of trying to uh, apply scientific principles from from other similar sports. So
0: tell people who maybe do like a very general breakdown of what squash is and what skills are are needed for that sport.
1: Well, probably the. the Sport most people will be more familiar with in the States would be racquetball. Um, it's basically a sport played uh, in, a, in a big room. It's, it's like tennis with the rackets where you're hitting the ball, but instead of hitting over a net, you're hitting the ball against the wall. So that's rebounding back. So, whereas racquetball uses slightly bigger rackets and a slightly bouncier ball. Uh, in squash, the ball's much smaller and much faster. So, in terms of sort of physical requirements, there's a lot of endurance, there's a lot of speed, there's a lot of power. It's a very fast paced, explosive game.
0: So you were, you and I were talking about the type of people who enjoy squash and we, and we mentioned that it's really suitable for all, for, for all ages, right? Mm-hmm. So, so this is something that people, um, as intense as that may sound, people can kind of go at their own pace and, and kind of move at their own, their own skill level. So how do you take, first of all, explain your philosophy of, of training and how mm-hmm. you apply those principles to your, your athletes.
1: I think the the sort of foundations of of any sort of fitness program, any any training program, um, you know, it's based within within evidence. We need to be stronger. Uh, We need to have a good base of conditioning. Um, I think anybody I work with is getting the foundations right first and foremost. It's not about all these elaborate, complicated training plans. It's getting people doing the right things in the right amounts. Particularly when you're working with people um, that aren't elite athletes, I think it's just getting them a little bit stronger, a little bit more conditioned and what I do with a lot of my, um, more sedentary clients, the ones that I work with just in a, in a sort of a personal training role, introducing them to squash or, um, we do have a version of racquetball, uh, over here that we have, where the, the game's a little bit slower than standard squash would be. And sometimes that's a great way to introduce people into a, uh, sort of more of a fitness lifestyle where they're, they're playing a sport. And, and I think it, it takes away that intimidation sometimes when people are going into a gym, they're going into a fitness environment. I think by introducing them into a sport to start with, um, sometimes that's a good way just just to get them into those basic healthy lifestyle principles.
0: Definitely because then they can see the benefits of their strength training and conditioning, how it translates to what they what they actually do and what they actually love, which you know is is a sport or you know any kind of lifestyle change that they have.
1: Um, I think the positive benefits that you, you get for training for a sport you know when I introduce people to it and, and they enjoy it and they get into it then they start wanting to train to be better at that sport so straight away yeah. their goal becomes a lot more specific and, and the goal in terms of becoming a better athlete for a sport no matter what level you're playing at are going to be the same benefits that you get from from a healthy lifestyle program anyway a hundred percent absolutely like
0: I, I don't think I think that the whole sports training. Um, like you know, sports-specific training. First of all, I think is somewhat of a hoax, but mm-hmm. I, but I, but I also think that um, you know, it, it's a, there's a lot of flash involved behind that. But the same principles that people need to just have a normal, healthy lifestyle, and I've harped on this a lot in the podcast, are the mm-hmm. same principles and philosophies that athletes need to perform their sport. Because we all have, you know, the same muscles and the same muscle groups. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. we're built with different fiber types, and you know, God given talents and things like that. But um, you know, for, for the most part, our movement patterns can be the same. We can make improve those movement patterns we're going to become better athletes and better overall just humans.
1: Um, yeah, definitely. I, th- I think if you're training anybody, whatever their goal might be, the foundations are still the same. You want people to be pushing, yes. pulling, stepping, carrying, all of these things. I mean, when I'm working with elite level professionals, there are one or two more detailed things we'll go into and we identify perhaps. Uh, sort of more specific weaknesses that they need to address, but yeah, that the foundations of most programs, I believe, um, are more or less the same things. It's getting that good foundation first.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. How do you build in, let's say, just your average uh, squash player? How do you build that discipline and, and the motivation to train as well as to you know to want to implement those kind of techniques into their squash
1: ability? Squash is an interesting sport, as I said, because it's a relatively niche sport, even over here, it's it's not huge. Um, there aren't huge financial rewards in it. It's not a sport where, you know, even the very top players aren't anywhere near the same as, say, tennis and, and other bigger sports. So you tend to find squash players have a much more of an intrinsic motivation, much more inherent motivation. Um, so if anything, often it's trying to wind them in. A lot of the training squash players do is... It's just brutal. It's running and sprinting and, and they'll go out on the track and on the court and, and I find with athletes in, in squash that, that it's, it's trying to get them to, to train a little bit smarter. I've, I've worked in other sports and, and football or, or soccer as you'd know it in particular. And with those guys, you're constantly having to push them and, and nag them and persuade them to do the sessions. Whereas in squash, you know, you find the guys are so keen, so motivated. It's, it's one of the great things about the sport. Oh, that's really unique. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't expect that to be the case. You think, you know, the
0: the people in, um, well, I guess it depends since the, the, the sport is, you know, if it doesn't have that much popularity, I guess you're dealing with people who maybe haven't been playing that long, right? So they want to get better. They want to be some of the best. And then people who've been playing soccer is, I don't even know how old, but I know it's insanely popular and it's getting more popularity in the States. And so you mm. have those people who've been playing for so long. So, like, introducing something new to them is probably just, you know, it's like trying to pull teeth, but
1: I think it's, it's more for me, I find it's more of a financial thing. If anything, you know, I've worked with, with football players, you know, lower league players that are, you know, working, you know, in the equivalent of what you'd have as the minor leagues and, and they're earning a lot more money than, than even elite squash professionals. So you oh, find wow. people that are going to squash, they've, they're going into it because they love the sport. They've got a real passion for it. So in terms of motivating them and, and getting them to do the tougher sessions, then, you know, that, 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 that isn't isn't part all. The, the the footballers I find much, much more difficult to work with. Well, that
0: kind of is a good segue into another topic that you and I talked about and how important it was that we thought that if a person can find a sport that introduces them to a healthy lifestyle, mm. some, sometimes that's more important than trying to coax them into like, you know, as, in, and as much as I believe in strength training is probably the best bang for your buck overall, I Mm -hmm. think if a person can find something that they truly enjoy to do consistently over time with, and be injury free, if that's then, you know, why, why try to try try to force the needle, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's something that they enjoy. They're going to do consistently. You don't have to talk them into it. So finding anything, even if it's not squash, even if it's something, um, you know, you know, in the similar arena, as long as you can get them to do that consistently, and then you can show them, like kind of like you're doing, you're showing the value of doing other things to improve that sport, then that's a great intro way for, for uh, physical activity.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think more trainers should incorporate that. Most people that work in the fitness industry are going to have some kind of sporting interest or sporting background. And even if they haven't, I think there's so many good basic coaching awards you can do for, for basic sports You know, whether it be in the States with things like basketball, baseball, football, you know, over here, we've got badminton, obviously squash that I work in. You know, you you don't have to be an elite professional to be able to introduce people into the basic principles. You know, I've played squash for probably 15, just over 15 years now and, you know, I play at a reasonable level, but it's still... What I'm working with with my fitness clients is at a very very basic level. It's just getting them to hit a ball, to run around, and and then when you take them back into the gym to do the strengthening work, instead of saying right, we're going to do our split squat, or we're going to do our lunge, and you know just doing it for the sake of doing it, you saying, right, if we do this exercise, this is going to help your movement on the squash court or, or on the racquetball court, and this is going to make you a better player. And, and suddenly they've got a focus and a goal, and I just find it ties everything together nicely.
0: Yeah, it does. And I kind of – I do the same. I I train a couple of very competitive cyclists, and it's, you know, there's nothing unique and revolutionary about anything that I do. It's probably, you know, it might even be boring to watch sometimes. But when you explain the movements that you're doing and why they're important and relate that back to their training, try to get, like, a direct link. Um, You know, as simple as, as doing, like you said, a split squat or a basic lunge, and what that does to their mechanics when they're pushing and pulling on a bike—that that, thats like that buy. That you create that buy-in point where they just, that the light goes off and they're like, "Oh my gosh, yeah!" And then they pay attention. Yeah. Am I pushing? Am I pulling harder on the bike? And and if they notice that, which most of the time they do, that uh, I mean, that's really all you need.
1: Yeah, I think it's it is all about creating that buy-in. I think you get. You know, when we're in, as health professionals, we're encouraging people into what is a different world for them. And if you can get anything that's going to hook them, that's going to make them buy in and, and value it more, As a, I think not enough fitness professionals utilize sport um, as a, an intro to a healthy lifestyle.
0: No, I don't think so. I think you're absolutely right. I think they wait for a person to find a sport or they, come, they wait for the person to come to them who's already doing the sport. It's, it's not mm. the opposite. That's, that's an interesting concept.
1: Yeah, as I said, I think, you know, I work with top-level players and I work with people that have maybe played three times in their life and it's it's still just getting them and and encouraging them to, you know, enjoy the sport first and foremost, but using that sport as a little bit of a goal, even if it's, you know, I, I get a couple of, ladies that want to come in and they play each other once a week and they want to beat each other and, and that's as, <laughs> as big a motivation as it might be to someone in you know the top 20 in the world training for the world championships the, the end goal is to improve to become better um, yeah and, yeah you know, healthy lifestyle comes from that it encourages that
0: well you get bragging rights too right i mean it's <laughs> just <laughs> I mean, what's better than bragging rights for someone you, you know you're training against you're competing against um
1: yeah, so, you'd be surprised You get these guys Especially they come in And right, I play my mate Once a week on a Friday night I want to beat him And you know And they'll do anything You tell them to do Physically If they <laughs> That's going to give them a, You know A rag right at the bar Then they'll do it for you
0: Yeah, but you can't tell That person that you're doing The exact same thing With their, the person You're trying to beat <laughs> You can't tell them that yeah. You're like Look man, I'm not telling My secrets You know, you're the only Person doing this Because then it's just like Oh yeah, great
1: <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to them. Yeah, they don't know about, They don't know about each other <laughs>
0: Um, so there was a couple different, uh, specialties that, that you worked with, um, Mm -hmm. early on in your career, you said, you mentioned to me that you worked with your, the, the Metro police as a physical instructor. And I, and you and I kind of touched on that a little bit and how I think that, uh, you can see that in in your area of the world. We definitely see it here in, in ours, how there's something lacking with the physical conditioning of law enforcement. And, Mm -hmm. and I don't know, you know, how much you, you want to, uh, touch on that but I think that's that's I mean if there's anybody that I can think of that needs it more in a profession it
1: has to be law enforcement right yeah I mean that's a, a big a big bone of contention for me you know I can talk freely about it now because I'm, I'm no longer involved and, and I haven't been for a number of years but yeah I worked with the Metropolitan Police for two years um, as a physical training instructor. My primary role was working with new recruits and, and sort of training them up. But we also used to deal with some of the programming and some of the fitness testing uh, for the dog handling teams, for the firearm teams, for the right control. Um, and yeah, I mean, in, in the two years I was there, I think I kind of must have joined right in the middle of the, the change and, and the evolution that was going on. And, and we moved from, you know, taking the recruits out and, and getting them on the track and doing circuits and, and working them hard in the gym so by the time I left, you know my main role was I was lecturing on, you know, manual handling, how to pick up a box, and you know, healthy lifestyle, and, and what to eat, and stuff that's important. But we weren't training them anymore. They weren't getting that physical input, and and the requirements for the fitness test had dropped massively. I mean, you could literally have walked the the bleep test that they did. It was to level five four. So anybody that's familiar with the Bleep test will know that that's barely a jog. And, and, and we were still getting people that were failing. It was, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. I don't
0: understand. I don't understand that. I think, um, you know, I don't have nearly any experience working with law enforcement, but I mean, if anybody can benefit from basic strength training and some very general conditioning, I mean, Mm. it's, it's those types of people. And I think, um, you know, I, I I'm started teaching a class recently at Cincinnati State about, and uh, a lot of the students that I'm um, uh, talking to are talking about how they, they'd like to bridge the gap between the medical system and the physical, uh, like the personal training system and mm-hmm. or with strength and conditioning side. So they both kind of know what's going on because there's a big gap there. And I kind of mm-hmm. feel that's the same way with... Um, And and I'm not. I'm. This is a very broad brush that I'm stroking, right? Because I'm sure there are places that are all over the world that law enforcement place a great deal of emphasis on their on their physical conditioning. But there, there's a there's a gap that's lost there because I see so many officers, so many law enforcement that are just, you know, they they don't have nearly the uh, physique that you think that someone in their position should have. And I can only imagine that's that's due to a lack of of education and maybe resources and that's just extremely unfortunate that nothing is going to that side of things
1: yeah i mean that, that, that was one of the issues the, the reasons for the reduction in the fitness testing and and, and the physical education was exactly that, that it was, you know, people can come in and they can offer other skills. You know, they might not be physically where we want them to be, but we don't want to discriminate and lose valuable recruits, which, which all makes sense to some extent. But ultimately, in, in a law enforcement role, you know, you're protecting people's lives, you're protecting people's safety. So you, you need to have a level of physical conditioning. To me, that should be non negotiable. Um, yes. You know, we used to find with the the more advanced with the, as I said, the firearm teams, the right control, those kind of guys had an inherent interest in conditioning and fitness and, and they would do their own thing. They, you know, they would use the sporting facilities we had. They would use the, the, the gym facilities that we had. But they would still be given the same basic annual fitness test. I mean, their levels were slightly higher, but still nothing amazing. So they were taking that training on in their own time, saying they, they wanted to do. But the recruits, the, the rank and file officers were going out with, with, know a, a bare minimum of, of of physical capability and and yeah in, in my opinion it's dangerous it really is yeah definitely so
0: let, let's switch switch speeds a little bit because i know a, a really passion of yours is a special needs training so discuss that mm-hmm. a little bit and how and how uh, what your role is in that
1: i've worked with a number of clients over the years that have had um, either physical or, or learning difficulties and again, I guess going back to, to what I said with um, with the squash and with the sport, I think introducing people to to something like that, is something that they can do and enjoy. Um, there's a lad that I've been working with for the last probably six months or so that come to me. You see him on the other trainers in the gym, but he wanted to do a little bit more work. And I took him on the squash court and, and he loved it. He hit a few balls. His eyes lit up. Um, he's, 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 he physically struggles a little bit. And then his understanding of of you know things like the rules and, and the game but it doesn't matter, he just gets some court. he hits a boy, runs around, and he enjoys the session, and you know, his mum loves him coming to see us, because he just goes out beaming, and it's a, you know, it's a great day out for him, plus he's getting the benefit of the, of the exercise as well.
0: So is that like the main goal when they, when they first came to you? Was that a, a main focus like, hey, let's try to get him involved in this kind of activity, or was it like, let's do whatever you think would work?
1: I've, I've worked with different groups. I've worked with sort of autistic um, children groups. I've worked with deaf children groups. And what you find the the people that kind of run these activity or education programs for um, people in these special populations they've got a real desire. Those those guys do a great job, and and they want these their their clients to experience as many different things as possible. So anytime I, I get a call from someone, or you know, I put myself out there and, and offer these things, and it's it's just to enrich their lives. It's to give them something different to try and enjoy. Um, and again, as I say, introducing them to, to, to sport or even getting in the gym and, and in a circuits and just, just having a bit of fun. It just introduces them to something different and they reap the rewards of of, of the exercise and of the, the benefits they'll get to their health as well.
0: That's awesome. And how old is that person you're working with?
1: Um, the lad I'm talking about, the I minute's mean, in his late 20s, but late I've worked 20s. with children anywhere from sort of, early teens all the way up and I think when when you go too young I think sometimes it's a little bit difficult um particularly yeah. if, if the, the needs they have are a quite demanding um I think you know being in, in a sport and fitness environment there are obvious sort of safety concerns um so when I work with sort of the much younger ones we tend to work in a one-on-one environment as they get older working in small groups and it's a great social opportunity as well I think
0: yeah, definitely.
1: And I think that I
0: I kind of see that from from my th- my side of things too. Because in the in the private training sector, if I'm working with someone who is definitely on the younger side, now I'm talking around like ten, eleven, twelve years old. Which most people think like, why are you you know strength training with someone? But you, you got a lot of body weight movements. I mean, people that, yeah. that 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 young, they don't need to be lifting you know weights or anything like that. No, I'm not talking like you know doing lateral raises with five pounds. It's not going to you know di- you know crush them or anything, but but going through these movement patterns and just showing them how what they can do with their own body weight is so rewarding. And you see these kids just like, you know, but first of all, if you're ten years old, you can do a squat. You can drop your butt all the way to the ground. It's like you don't even know how awesome that is until you're probably hit, you know, your mid twenties into your mid thirties, maybe. And you're like, oh my god, I wish I could do that again. And then, but 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 showing them those those movement patterns and 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 uh, and walking them through some basic stuff that they can do with uh, their own body weight and, and seeing them like, Oh my gosh, so great. I can do all these things. And then talking to them about how later on, then you can, you know, start to incorporate machines and, you know, kettlebells, all those, all those things that we use to to help people. But, uh, working with youth is that's something that's, um, and I'm talking, you know, that, that really young side that ten to about probably 12, 13 range is something relatively in the past, probably five years that's pretty new to me, but I'm starting to, to grasp it a little more, um, be a little more open to the, to the thought because there was a time where I was like, Nope, you don't need to do it. Just get out and run around. But now it's, it's about like, all right, we've got to introduce these kids to, because obviously we you know when they get older, I mean, technology's come so far and that's one reason why we're not outside as much. We're not, you know, we obviously don't have to build our own houses and hunt for our own food and things like that. So, um, that's basically why exercise was invented because we're not as physically active. So when these kids get to be our age, if we get them in the gym at a young age and show them just some very basic things and just make it fun and enjoyable and, and make it so a gym and a fitness center and, and being around weights and those kind of people is a fun and accepting thing. They don't have to shy away from it. I think that's a huge benefit.
1: Yeah, I, I agree 100% that it's, it's making it enjoyable. It's making it fun and it's, it's making it a habit. Early on, um, yeah, I think as, as as you say about you know training movements, it's not about getting them in there and, and lifting big heavy weights. But you know, probably one of my my main sort of training principles is that that you know we're looking to train movements, not muscles. And it's learning at an early age to lunge, to squat, to push, to pull. All of those basic movements, um, and then as they get older, as they get into more of a sort of a gym environment, that they're already familiar with all of that. Um, I think one one of the things with with youth training over here, it's there's been a movement I think in schools I don't know what it's like in, in the US but certainly here in the UK a lot more schools are, are having gyms and they're having better sporting facilities um, so their you know children are being introduced to it much younger which is great but we still miss going back to the sort of special needs uh, groups that I've worked with because they're often taken out of the mainstream education they're not getting that same exposure and I think that's a a big shame. That's again why I think it's great that they can come in and you know use facilities, uh, commercial facilities that I've worked in, or, or sporting facilities. It's just a shame that they don't get as much exposure to that um, as children in in more mainstream education.
0: Well, I think that's one thing definitely that the U.S. lacks because in the past, probably ten to fifteen years, physical education classes have been actually taken out of mm. of curriculum. So. Uh, it, it's well it, it blows my mind because you think like you first of all you 're asking a group of extremely um, extremely young people who are who are who have all of these emotions and you 're asking them to sit through classes you know seven to eight hours a day with basically zero movement and then we get upset with mm. them when they can 't pay attention and they have extra energy and we start putting all these other labels on them that normally can be fixed with some exercise but mm. But those people, those are they're, it's they're un, they're underfunded um, in terms of you know locations where they can exercise, locations where uh, physical educators can can meet and and brainstorm. Those kind of things don't happen as much in mm-hmm. and, uh, and in the states unless you have an amazing uh, sports team. Which look, I'm not knocking sports. I, I I love high school sports. I love high school athletics. They're very important. But unless you have a fantastic a program overall, then your facilities aren't going to be worth anything. And that directly reflects on um, on the amount of participation you get in physical education classes.
1: I, I do think I've you know I've spent a little bit of time in the States. I've worked a little bit out there. And it does seem that your sort of high school and college program is, is much more about sporting competition and, and attainment. I mean, even sort of the NCAA, we don't have anything like that over here. Our sort of university, college sporting program is – I mean, it's competitive, but it's not a big thing. You know, you know, we certainly wouldn't get it showed on, on television or anything like that. I think the the places um, in the UK that that have the better sporting facilities in, in terms of an education environment, it's still part of the curriculum. Um, I still think there could be a lot more, um, but I do think from my understanding in the States that they push the competition too much. They push the sporting, um, which is great. You know, I, th- I think sporting competition is great, but I think to the rank and file kids, the ones that you know, are never going to be athletes themselves they need to be educated just in, in sort of basic healthy lifestyle just getting used to exercise and yeah i'm not sure there's enough of that
0: no there, no there's definitely not and you're 100 right there's absolutely nothing with the competition side of things but when you're talking about the the time it takes for a football team however many people you have on a high school football team the amount of those people who are going to go on to play any kind of uh college college competition and then the even smaller, like the half a percent of people who've gone to play in the NFL for a short time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, you're, you're, you're catering to an extremely small amount of people. And, you know, not that I'm saying those people don't deserve everything they've worked for, but
1: mm.
0: yeah, take, taking those programs out is, is definitely not doing the school and, and, uh, eventually our society, any, anything good.
1: That's for sure. I think a lot of it is is again financial. I know in this country, definitely is. There's a lot more, you know, grants and and awards, and and there's there's funds available now for pushing different sport and activity programs. You know, I've used a lot myself in terms of getting funding to run you know various after school clubs and things like that. Um, and I think perhaps in the states, because there's this whole high school competitiveness, college competitiveness, that there's more of a thought of. Earning money—if you know—if an athlete comes through one of those programs, that's going to get them yep. more money and get them more funding. Which, yeah, unfortunately, that tends to then neglect the other children that, that are never going to be athletes that do just need that education in, in healthy lifestyle.
0: Yeah, you're right. Oh man. Well, hey Gary, if uh, if anybody has any other questions, comments, concerns, where's the best way to get a hold of you?
1: Uh, I'm on Twitter at um, it's Unq Solutions, so it's U N Q F I T Solutions S O L U T I O N S. Always happy to chat to people via email. You know, I like to spread the word about squash. Certainly, anybody in the states that's interested in the sport, um, it's definitely growing in the states. there's still a long way to go, but you can get me an email. Right. Um, I work for a company called squash skills are a really good online coaching portal. Um, so you can get me on the email there, Gary at squash skills.com. Um, but yeah, always happy to chat. I love talking about sport fitness. So any questions, anything like that, you know, feel free to get in touch.
0: Awesome. Gary, I appreciate you sharing some knowledge and I hope people do reach out and I think uh, just to recap, man, I think that finding any kind of sport as an entryway to health and fitness is definitely, it's a, uh, it's a different way to think about fitness and health and
1: longevity. And um, I, I hope it I hope it reaches some people. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, you know, I've found working, I think a lot of athletic coaches, you know, personal trainers, that they want to work with elite athletes. And yeah, it's great. And, and that side of things is, is really rewarding. But also going back to the, to the other level, people that are just doing it for health and, and exercise benefits, that is just as rewarding as, as working with elite athletes. And I think that that's something that, you know, a lot of trainers could, could really think about more. Definitely.
0: Well, thanks, Garrett. I appreciate you taking the time, man, and uh, hopefully you get some sleep soon.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Garrett. It's been great. Thanks for your time.
0: Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, get in touch with Eric on any social media platform at Eric Feigl or email fcp at ericfeigl.com. Make sure to check back every Tuesday and Thursday for more Fitness Candor.